and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Tim's Friends is once again Tim and Friends. The ampersand is back in the logo. If you just change it to, this is a, a viewer's suggestion. If you just change that to an S when I'm not here, the show becomes Tim's Friends. You get it? A lot of geniuses on this team that we hey? didn't think of that ourselves, eh? That's correct. Our one viewer smarter than our entire team. <laughs> Tim's oh, that's Friends. Look. That's a tough look. Is back to Tim and Friends. McAuliffe in the chair. Wanda Shank Shump. Thank, not shank. That would be bad. <laughs> I don't want to shank Sean McKenzie. I want to thank him. If I shank him, that's something different, but I am from Scarborough, so you know, things happen. You know what I'm talking about, Jesse? Oh, that's outstanding. Uh, I want yeah, to thank, thank Sean McKenzie and Jesse Rubinoff for the cover. Appreciate you both. And Sean, I do think I could throw a baseball from the CN Tower into the dome. You don't actually, though. You're just saying that. You're being, well, you're no, being no. I, I, unless there's someone smarter than me uh, who can come up with things like Tim's friends over Tim and friends that could tell me that the gravity and the weight of the baseball would destroy my average to above average arm. Oh, above average. My yes. average to above average arm, yeah. Okay. Um, I did the math. Yep. Uh, on the show on Friday. Okay. And the longest throw ever thrown, I think, was 440 feet. The distance between the Rogers Center and the CN Tower is roughly like 400 meters, mm -hmm. which would mean it's about, I don't know, quick math, 1,300 feet from the CN Tower to Rogers Center. Right. So, so you're saying the gravity is going to triple the, long, the distance of the longest throw ever no, thrown? No, I'm, I'm wondering, obviously, you're going to get more length because you're higher up. Yes. It's like an elevated tee box. Right. I like those. Right? Yes. So now all of a sudden, Mr. Mathematics. Oh, no, I, I just but triple I wonder, is a long way. That's all I'm saying. I wonder if the weight oh. of the ball and gravity would take over and pull the ball down quicker weight. than I initially anticipate, right. Right. and thus I wouldn't be able to get it there. We're going to have to try, obviously. I mean, I, I don't. No one is going I'm to not, let us I'm not, try. I wouldn't do that. I haven't even been. I haven't even been up there. Look like, at you backpedal immediately. Holy cow! Look at Jesse turned into Revis Island yeah. over there. No. Just straight backpedal. He's <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs> They're not going to let us try that. But is there like a weight versus gravity thing that would pull the ball down immediately? Right. Okay. We need a like. A, if you're a physics major and you're a fan right. of the show, write us in. Let us know. Hit us up. We need to know the answer because it's going to bother both of us. I think. It, it will bother me for a while. It will bother you? It yeah. is a long way. I want to know. But I wonder if, like an elevated tee box, it would allow you to get way more distance I on think, that ball. I think that is correct. I just think it, it's a matter of how much extra distance it gives you. Like, right. is it enough to triple the distance of the longest throw ever? It is. A, it, I don't know if you know this, but it, it's, it's a high building. It is a high <laughs> Pretty high. Yeah, it's a pretty elevated It's above box. average. Yeah, it is, it is above <laughs> average. Uh, how was uh, your weekend? Uh, you know what? For, for those who know me, it was my zen. It was a family weekend centered around sports. My boy played in hockey and baseball tournaments. Uh, he started, um, he played the start of a, uh, of a spring-summer hockey tournament with some of his closest buddies. Then baseball, kids went one, one, and one. But let me tell you something. We picnicked. 
mm. as well as anyone in the mix. There were freezies to be had. Whole family was there, including Snoop Dogg. So thanks again. Uh, love that I have such a great team that I can pull that off. And I better say that because we got a few more coming up this summer. Are you a freezy guy? No, I wouldn't say I'm a freezy guy. But on a day like today, you know, it's, what, 30 degrees? What does that mean? I don't know. What does that look What's a freezy? What's a who's, freezy guy? Who's not a freezy guy? I mean, I, I, I mean, would you're have a not a freezy on a freezy day guy. that's like that's 30 a, degrees no, Celsius, which you, is what it is right now. It's do like you enjoy? Do you enjoy frozen food. treats such as freezies? Yeah, sure. Well, then you're a freezy guy. Mm, no, I'm more of an ice cream guy than a freezy guy. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. You know. Um, hold on. Before we get going with but anything the, here, the anything ice cream crazy, melts. I just when have to the say, freezy melts, it just becomes a slushy, and then the slushy is just as awesome as the freezy. You get an ice cream cone, you got to do that, that lick no. around the outside no. thing. Not and you today, You got to keep though. it inside the cone. Not today. Freezy would, would would melt in two seconds, and it would not be as enjoyable. Two seconds, done. Right. We're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree on this okay. Monday, Jesse, because I don't think we're gonna I get have anywhere. something. Ninja Cat writes in, and this is a bad look on me. Tim must be so happy to have his finger brace off. I did not even notice hey, that. Thank you, Ninja yeah. Cat. Appreciate you. Double, double. Yeah. Is, it, is it better though? That's that's the problem. That it looks the top looks a little sketchy. I gotta be honest. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look all that much better. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. Are you concerned about it at all? Or, oh, that would, oh, I mean, that no, looks better. No, but it bends. It bends. No, it bends. Okay, that's but how did it thing. look beforehand? Some... How did it look before the injury? It didn't have that didn't have that bend to it. Uh, it, it doesn't look great. I'm gonna be honest with oh, you. Okay. Sorry to bring Sebi, it up. Sebi, what do you think? Way to go, Ninja. What do you, sausage. It looks like a sausage. It does look like a sausage, yeah. If I text you mean, and I make man. spelling mistakes, you now know why. I officially That's have sausage mean, fingers. It does. It looks like a link. It looks like I went to Markham Station and instead of the bacon, yeah. I got pork sausage right. and it is my finger. That's all right. Uh, it's better. No, the brace is off. Uh, supposed to be stretching it a little bit more. Maybe I got to put it back on and make sure that that thing goes yeah. straight instead of just do the exercises. There's always some interesting finger exercises you can do. What? Just... Never mind. Let's move yeah. on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great time for sports NHL NBA playoffs. Kind of turning down the home stretch so we can focus in without FOMO, right? Fear on missing out of everything else, mm -hmm. uh, like the Jays settling in for the summer. Great weekend for, it was a great weekend, Jesse, for auto racing. You had F1, you had the Indy 500. French Open is not disappointed. No. We had a Game 7 in the NHL tonight, a Game 7 in the NBA last night. The Avs and Oilers start tomorrow in Denver. NBA Finals start on Thursday in San Francisco. This stuff is almost as good as watching a duck run a marathon and get a medal. Huh? I didn't lie, got a medal. Paparazzi came out too. I said almost as good. I said almost as good. True or false, the duck ran twice. That's when they filmed, gave the duck a medal, and the internet claims another one. I think that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, there's no marathon in between. There is just start, there is just finish, there is just film, and then another one bites the dust. Yeah, I think you're All right. That, <laughs> Enough on a duck running a marathon. Let's get this duck started. Two-hour marathon for us starts with first things first. So what's on tap? Majestic map. Majestic map. First things first. Yeah, him and scientific first. map, brothers. Scientific, right. Didn't pan out, though, right? Like big um, prodigy. College players. 
yeah, yeah. prodigy and just didn't. Well, I think also the names, right? I think the names more scientific map than majestic map. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think scientific map really hit the map because of the name. Right. And the player was pretty good. So sciencey today. Got yeah. our physics question. We got scientific map, majestic. Okay, uh, let's go to the Blue Jays. We here. couldn't answer the physics question. No, we, someone way. will write in. I, 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 I have faith in hold the on. Tim and Friends community. Hold on, hold on. What? You see something? Jeff Ferreira tweets it. I just looked down. I laughed immediately before we get to the Jays. Uh, Tim, <laughs> Tim has How does he do it that fast? I don't know. What is going on? That conversation was 30 that, that, seconds that ago. That is exactly what, what I'm doing. That is. If he made that, that's ridiculous. Well, I think he found it quickly. I yeah. think he found sausage. That's the only finger. way. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, Jeff. Great well, job. I love the friends We're firing of the show. Today I love cylinders. the friends of the show. Yeah. That Great is correct. I, I currently have sausage fingers. All right. That's very <laughs> good. What a way to start. Yeah. And uh, what a difference a week makes. Blue Jays fans breathing a little easier today than they were last Monday. Not only have the Jays won five straight games, they've done it all on the road against two teams that are currently in playoff position, including their first sweep of the season, a four-gamer, no less, against one of the most talented teams in baseball. What's been the most encouraging part? The bats, the, the bats, the getting going, even the walks. I will take the walks bases from the bats. Walks. Yes, go. the bases loaded walks for caliente, which means, of course, baseball. All right. Or hot. You don't know either. No, no, I'm going to say hot, and then you, then you rattled. Did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> you look shocked. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I was like, what anyway. is going on? I was so confused. And you couldn't call me out either? No? I was like, I was like, where's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking, old boy. What is there? All right. Caliente they are hot. hot. That is correct. They are caliente and Cali. Oh. Double meaning, Jesse. Also, the state they were playing baseball California, in. California, I got you that. You know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, baseball in Spanish is baseball. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the I hope bats, we don't have any language tests coming the, <laughs> the bats were good. The bats averaged, what, 6.75 runs That's rare. in the sweep yeah. of the Angels. But... It was the way they went. It didn't seem like they were pressing. And they put up a season-high 11 runs without Vladdy, Teoscar, Danny Jansen on Sunday. And that game on Sunday, like, if you stayed for the whole bleeping thing, mm -hmm. it was entertaining as hell. Now, it was long, but they never let you off the hook, the Jays. Like, you got to keep watching this team, as I found out the hard way when I left early <laughs> right. with my son. Like, just keep fighting. And that's a great sign. So, you know, now... 14 one-run victories on the season. All of last year, they had 15 one-run victories. It feels like there's, there's something a little special about this team. And I know, listen, if you play a lot of one-run games, it is going to exhaust your bullpen. We've seen that over the last little while. It will, too, put you in a situation where you've got to use some of your best arms repeatedly mm -hmm. out of that bullpen. Mm -hmm. We've seen that. And eventually, you're going to lose a few of those one-run games. We've seen that. But to get those 14 wins already in one-run games, it's one, entertaining for us, the viewing public, and it is two, good to build on. Because when you get into the games that mean a lot, knowing that you can win those, 
gives you faith, and I believe in faith in the game of baseball and, in fact, most sports? I feel like that was a game that uh, they could have, you know, they already had won three or four. They could have, like, rolled over at some point in that game. Without said, all like, those guys? We're yeah. Done, right? For no sure. one was playing. Agreed. And they didn't. Uh, and it led to some pretty good vibes in the clubhouse afterwards. <laughs> at least that's what we saw on uh, Hazel May's Twitter. Have a look. Those are feel-good vibes right there. Yeah. Those are feel-good vibes, Jesse Rubinoff. With the first sweep of the season. First sweep of the season and a five-game winning streak. A five-game winning streak that comes immediately after you and I sat here and asked the viewers whether or not we should hit the panic button. I believe at last call... 62% of folks said that we should hit the panic button. And I don't know if you remember back, Jesse, but I said mm. maybe we need to wait. Maybe what we need to do is take the panic button privileges away from the friends of this show. <laughs> That's because so mean. if we go back, let's remember what Uncle Timmy said to those watching and listening. They, they told me to do it. All right. 62%. I agree with you. I said wait. Yeah, too early. I, I said wait a little bit. I said wait for the end of the road trip. But 62% of them said hit the panic button. So, Jesse, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, do we need to take away the panic button privileges from the friends of the show? No. No. I say we, we leave it. Because this is what fans do. They get, they get caliente when things aren't going right. They get hot. And they were hot and a little... But that's what we're here for. We're not here for knee-jerk reactions mm. anymore. We are here to give people information that they process and then consume their sports with a little bit more knowledge. A little bit more idea of what might be to come. Mm -hmm. And maybe a little less knee jerks. And I understand that this happens, especially in baseball, but there has been someone who's been talking about this entire marathon thing. And I'm not saying that we might not have another question down the road, but in the end, we should have hit the don't panic button. Don't panic, don't panic. We're just getting started, don't panic. So can we hit it now? Yeah, you just did. But is it, is it in line? Five and a half back? One game back, still in the playoff oh, spot. Of Yankees the have injuries too. Like Stanton's hurt. So, don't panic. But you say don't leave, panic. leave the, leave the, the button in the, in the hands of, of the friends of the show. Yeah, I think. Is that so. just because you're a nice guy? I don't know. Some would debate that. I'm sure, but yeah. All right, let me sure. Let me say something. Yeah. Friends of the show, you are on probation. <laughs> I like it, in the penalty box. Uh, also, uh, before we move on, I just want to say, um, it appears since I, I guess, retweeted uh, the poll last night, people went in and clicked and maybe pressed don't panic and swayed the poll a little bit. <laughs> now it's only 56%. <laughs> <laughs> 6% less uh, uh, than it was previously. Brian Leach writes into the show, uh, one of the friends, uh, Hey, the CN Tower is 
553 meters. Distance to the Rogers Center is 214 meters. 9.81 meters of second for gravity. What velocity would you have to throw a baseball at to get it there? Who's got the formula? So we're slowly breaking I this have down. An, I have another one. Okay. Um, we have like actual numbers here on the screen that uh, climate change those. H5 sent in. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, initial velocity 95. I mean, I think that's giving you a little bit too much credit. Initial oh, yeah, velocity no, 95 no miles yeah. an hour, but still, uh, no chance. Just, just to keep the conversation going, let's move on here. Angle of launch, five degrees. Initial height, time of flight, eight seconds, just over uh, distance, 1,200 feet. So that's close. Ew. That's like there. No, that's not, because I'm not throwing 95. Well, can we put that back to 75 miles an hour? Yeah, I might be able to get it up to 75 miles. Yeah, an hour. how much does yeah. that change that? Yeah. But like, let's go. I love that. Well done. All right, coming we're coming through there. in the clutch. We're uh, ben there. Nicholson Smith is uh, coming up. We'll talk more about. By the way, Jays. We're, we're ruining Jays or Caliente. Sean McKenzie's drinking game <laughs> with actual mathematics on how, or yeah. or we're helping him solve the riddle that he has had. The entire time he's watched Blue Jays baseball. No, it's just a, it's a party conversation starter for Sean McKenzie. Can you throw yeah. the, the baseball from the CA Tower? Uh, okay, let's go to basketball. The Celtics and Warriors will meet in the those. NBA Finals. It's smooth operator. Uh, it begins just on Thursday. Because he drinks a lot. <laughs> right. After Boston beat Miami in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals last night after trailing for the entire game, the Heat made a late run to cut it to two. But Jimmy Butler missed a potential go-ahead three-pointer with 17 seconds remaining, and the Celtics hung on. What did you make of Butler's decision to go for three? This is such a good debate, because I don't know if there's a right answer on this one. Mm. I, I, I looked at it, and I sent out a poll immediately, and I said, I love this debate. I wonder if this wasn't smart. Al Horford one-on-one, -on -one, two points to tie. Three points to win. Yeah. He pulls up for a three-pointer. If he hits it, they go ahead one, and there's still time left in the clock. I don't – here's what I think. I think it wasn't a smart play, but I also think given he's the only reason they're there yes, – exactly. That you, I thought Jeff Van Gundy, who sounded awful, what, what was, was that? Well, I think I know what it was because Mike Breen, you know, <laughs> tested positive and just <laughs> working together. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> Mike Breen tests positive. Jeff Van Gundy sounds sick the entire broadcast, it was but he ridiculous. was still able to, or he was in COVID protocols. Mike Breen was in. I don't. Did he test positive? I think he tested positive. Yeah. He did test positive. Yeah. Otherwise, he would have called the game, right? Yes, There's yes. no way that you could keep Mike Breen yes. out of that game. Anyways, Jeff Van Gundy doesn't feel well the entire game. Yeah. You can hear it. Anyways, this is besides the point. He called what I thought, which was, "You die with it if you can live with it." Mm -hmm. And they died with it because they can live that with it. That was an unbelievable line. I remember thinking right in the moment that was a great, great line. line. Yeah. Great. And Eric Spolstra said as much after. But I understand those who just want to be smarter than Jimmy Butler in the moment, right? Like, those who want to say, you've got Al Horford there. Yeah. This was the one in the first half you just saw where he pulled up and nailed a triple and the crowd exploded for one of the one and a half times that the crowd in Miami exploded because they were awful yeah. the entire game, even though it was a game seven. Sorry, Miami, but I'm speaking truth to your power over there. Uh, and... Butler's the only reason they're there. So if he wants to stop, pull up, and shoot a three, especially when you can – do you remember the situation before Kawhi Leonard hit the game winner in the famous game seven in 2019 had, between – scored. The Raptors and the Sixers? Jimmy had scored. Jimmy went the other way yeah. 
and scored a bucket with about five seconds left, taking on Serge Ibaka, comparable to Al Horford, although Serge might be mad at me for making that comparison. And the tie eases the pressure Mm -hmm. on the next shot, which allowed Kawhi Leonard to do it. And I wonder if that played into his mind. I wonder if he thought about that. And as Eric Spolstra said after the game, he got as clean a look as you could possibly get at a game winner. He just didn't hit it. Yeah, I don't think Jimmy wanted any part of overtime either. He played every single every minute single, of that game. Yeah, and the game before. Yeah, it's absurd. So right. he wanted that game to be but over. But do you think all that went through his mind? I don't know if all that no, went through I his think mind. No, I think he just wanted to be the hero. I think he wanted to win. I think he's an alpha male, yeah. and we've seen that at every stop along the way. And he did what alpha males do. Yeah. I, and I, that is, I'm going to win this game right now. I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, but now the Celtics move on, and they're going to play a very, very good team in the you, Golden State Warriors. Before we move on, yeah. to, and I know we're running out of time here, do you have a problem with the Struce foot out of bounds call? I have no problem with it. No, it's also I a thought whole he stepped out. Like, what, you know, it's three points. It's three points, but three points early is worth three points late. I know, but you have a whole game to figure it out. But didn't it just look it. like he stepped out of bounds? Yes. And traveled? Yeah. Whatever? Yeah. I mean, these calls go, there's calls that go both ways over the course of a whole game, and I understand that, you know, there would be frustration That looks like he that. stepped out. It I does. get the heel is a little bit up once yeah, he releases, but, but, like, physics would tell you that the heel probably again. hit the ground at some time. Yeah. Anyways, okay, let's get to the NBA Finals. Uh, Warriors to win. Two best defenses in the league. Yes. Uh, the best offense in the playoffs, at least, with the Warriors against the best defense okay, all year. But stop it right there. Like, the Celtics' defense got them here. Mm-hmm. What people don't realize is that the Warriors play a really good defense, too. They also play a ridiculous offense. So, unless the size of... Boston gives the Warriors problems. I think this is a walk. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, you know, I've been a fan of the Boston Celtics the entire time. Mm-hmm. Ime Udoka has done a wonderful job with this team. He's got them to buy in. They are playing defensive basketball, which got them to this point. But I think there's a difference between being able to play both offense and defense. And I think that Golden State does it a little bit better than Boston does with Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jason Tatum, who's turning into a superstar. And give credit to Marcus Smart, who had a good offensive game because he wasn't really guarding yeah. <laughs> Jimmy well, Butler. And Smart is way. kind of banged up, so is Robert Williams. So I think the extra time in between games in the NBA Finals, which there are a lot of them, will help them get healthy and I think maybe make it a bit of a, a better series than it otherwise yeah, that's, would be. Yeah, that's the size that I wonder about. Like Tatum, who guards him? You can throw multiple bodies at him and yeah. Jalen Brown. Like Clay can guard Jalen. Uh, who guards Marcus Smart? Is he good enough offensively? Does he hound Steph enough? That it, but just there's too many options in Golden State for me to say that I would bet with the plus money. Can't wait to continue to break down uh, what should be a, a good series. Mark Spears coming up a little bit later to chat about it. And we go to hockey because there is a Game 7 tonight between the Rangers and Canes in Carolina. You can see it on Sportsnet at 8 Eastern. Of course, the home team has won every single game in this series. And the Canes are a perfect 7-0 in Raleigh in the postseason. Will they make it 8-0 tonight? If anti-Ranta is the guy at home versus anti-Ranta, the guy on the road. In five road losses, anti-Ranta has an 872 save percentage and a 396 goals against average. In seven home wins, 
my guy has a 965 save percentage and a 097 goals against average. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> like, it is, it is completely different on the road and at home. I don't really have the explanation for that unless he just really loves his bed. He's got one of those sleep number beds, yeah. you know, make it really comfortable. He's got those special pillows, Lucky. props his knee up and stuff. Like, I don't get the difference, but that's – I. If you were to ask me to bet, I would go with Shesterkin because I've seen more from Igor Shesterkin, even though the road and home splits have been what they are. I don't know if I can trust Antti Ranta. That's, that's it. However, yeah. at home, he has been very trustable, very trustworthy. Yeah. I, I mean, this is, and this is the, I think the Rangers, because of Shesterkin, if, I mean, that's who I would pick tonight. And 949 then, save percentage then, through six games yeah, in the series. And, and then going up against Tampa, like th- that is the team that can beat Tampa because of the goaltending, I would think. I'm not sure that they, either of these teams would be able to get past them, but at least Man. you have uh, a Vezina finalist who's finally Ta- playing like a Vezina finalist. Tampa's significant again. favorites against whoever comes through this, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. All right, still to come, Gene Prince Bay in Colorado. Justin Bourne in studios. We look ahead to the Avs and Oilers and, of course, Game 7 in Carolina. Mark Spears on last night's drama. And a look ahead to the NBA Finals. And after the break, after a sweep of the Angels, the Jays looking to enjoy a day off. Maybe, perhaps, a few sausages. We'll discuss with Ben Nicholson-Smith next. Tim and Friend. It's a Monday. I mean, like a breakfast, a big breakfast, you know. Swing and a drive to deep center field. Trout at the wall and launches its sail. A game tying blast from Bo Bichette. I gotta say, I think that's a bad decision by Butler. You have so much space there you can attack. And the Boston Celtics will go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, Daddy's jogging. He's got it in Oxel! Welcome to Liga! Angry Saint-Étienne fans have stormed the pitch, and chaos has broken out here at the Stade Jafouaguichal. From Anaheim, California, we get sent for the first of four between the Angels and the Blue Jays. Here's a matchup everybody is here to see. And it is gone! Vladdy goes yard against Otani. Lourdes Curiel shoots one to right field. Kirk is going to be waved home. Toronto has taken the lead. Strike three, Jordan Romano. Punches out Shohei Otani. Blue Jays win. Driven into right center field. It's a base hit. And the Jays are back in business. Tying run 90 feet away. Ground ball chopped up the first baseline. Stripling lays a tag. And the Blue Jays win. Blue Jays play for the series sweep. It is gone. Guriel awaits. Round ball. It is fair. Guriel with five RBIs. The Blue Jays sweep the Angels and they've won five consecutive games.
What a difference a week makes for the Toronto Blue Jays as the panic button was hit on this show five games ago. And since then, the Jays have gone 5-0. Here to join us and discuss what's transpired over those five games is a man who is working the broadcast over the weekend. It is Ben Nicholson-Smith of the At The Letters podcast. Benny, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing great, Tim. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to doing the call with Ben Shulman. He did a great job, and they were great games. Ben Shulman, Ben Nicholson-Smith in replace of Ben Wagner. Do you have to have the name Ben to work on a radio broadcast of the Jays? Apparently it takes two Bens to replace Wagner. <laughs> Wagner sets the bar very high. He does a great job, and it was fun to be in there for a few games replacing him. Oh, it was awesome. I got to listen to a little bit both you and Ben Shulman and Nicholson-Smith did a wonderful job. So give me the biggest difference in the week that we were just talking about that makes such a big difference. To me, it's the offense. I mean, they scored 10-plus runs for the first time since opening day. It had been way too long. This team is supposed to be built around their offense, and then we saw signs of it with eight against the Cardinals and then 11 yesterday. They needed every one of those runs. That, that game yesterday was, as I know it was a little bit long for some, because I tweeted out, man, do the Jays keep you on the hook? And a lot of people responded with game time. But... If you were in, as you were because you were broadcasting it, for all of it, it was entertaining as hell. Oh, yeah. It, it really was. I mean, it, there were some times where it would kind of lag for a bit, and then it would pick right back up. And you had all these home runs. Of course, Bo Bichette right there with a huge home run. And the Angels came back so many times, too, with Stassi and Taylor Ward. That's a good team. I mean, the Angels, I know the Jays swept them, but every game was close. The Angels, I think, have a real good chance to play in the playoffs. And if they do, they're, they're going to be scary. Because every time Shohei and Mike Trout come up, it's just so hard on opposing managers to navigate. And the Jays did it, but barely. Okay, so where were you before the five-game winning streak? And how has it altered the way you look at this team, if at all? To me, before the winning streak, this was a team that needed to hit and that wasn't hitting enough. And now they're hitting. So that's the biggest and best difference that we could possibly see. So, you know, this team, they still have questions. I think that's the nature of a, a baseball team in a long season. And yeah. for the Jays, Tay Oscar is a question. Ryan Barucki is a question. Jose Barrios now is a question. But at the same time, there are a lot of things going well. They have two frontline starters. They're starting to hit. They've got a deep batting order. They've got some prospects who are really performing. So they're on a 93-win pace. They're in playoff position right now. Vlad Jr. right there, like he's starting to come around a little bit. So they're in a really good spot, and I expect more good things from this team. Okay, the one thing that I've noticed over the last few years that is probably very noticeable by everybody else is that when Lourdes gets warm, <laughs> there are very few players in Major League Baseball. Are, are we seeing the beginnings of one of these Lourdes streaks? I think so. I mean, on Friday, three hits, and then it turned out that was more of an appetizer for what was to come because, you know, to go out there and drive in five was huge. But it's not just the RBIs because, of course, he had a couple doubles there and he was making good contact. But even beyond that, he was drawing walks with the bases loaded. Not just one walk. He drew multiple walks with the bases loaded. And that, to me, says he's seeing the ball well. He is identifying the pitches that he wants to hit and the pitches he doesn't want to hit. Mm -hmm. And that's key for any hitter. So even a guy who's not a, a hundred walk a season player, Lourdes is seeing the pitches well right now. And so I do think this is the beginning of one of those streaks. Um, any updates on the injuries that we saw and any reason for concern from some of the names that were out of the lineup? 
We'll learn more tomorrow. I, you know, I think that getting Vladdy and Teo in there as pinch hitters is probably a positive for this team. And they're still listing uh, Hyunjin Ryu as the starter for Wednesday's game. So that's a good sign. It means that he's moving uh, through his, his recovery and through his normal work between starts, and, and he should be able to go. Um, so health-wise, we'll figure out more. Danny Jansen, another question there. But uh, that's, that's the nature of, of 162, really. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of question marks, and Jose Barrios has become one of them, especially with his numbers in May. Teoscar Hernandez, the other. Could the hip issue that Charlie was talking about maybe explain why we haven't seen the Teoscar that has emerged? Or could it actually be expectations and maybe a little bit of pressure in what could be a monster year for him? Yeah, I think some of both. I mean, it was a surprise to see him only start two of those four games against the Angels. I mean, this is someone the Jays want to get going. He's a core player on this team, and he was just starting two of them. So obviously the hip impacted that with off days on either side, but they need to get him going. He's hitting too many ground balls. He is not making hard contact, even the the base hits that we've seen. And, you know, granted, he gets a couple hits. That's a good sign, but there's singles. You know, we're not seeing doubles off the wall. We're not seeing home runs into the second deck. So he's clearly not where he needs to be. That's been the case for a few weeks now. And to say that, you know, his his return, his his potential is important to this team would clearly it's it's understating it because this guy is he's such a good hitter when he's on. Uh, all right. Barrios is the other part of that. And when they sign Barrios to the seven year, one hundred thirty one million dollar deal, the one thing that you could always say about Jose Barrios is you look at the numbers every year and there is remarkable consistency. We haven't seen that this year, have we? We really haven't. And, you know, it, it dates back to opening day when he didn't get off to that start that he was looking for. And to me, the big difference here is the strikeout rate that we see from Barrios. We saw last year, 26% of hitters he faced were struck out. This year, it's down to 16. So that's a big difference, a 10 percentage point difference between this year and last year. And strikeouts are necessary. You know, if, if you're not striking guys out, you might find the barrel more often. They might hit some more bleeders through the infield. And this is what's put Barrios in a position where 10 starts through the season, you know, not a small sample anymore, but 10 starts in, he's struggling with too much hard contact and not enough strikeouts. So it takes someone with more analytical savvy than me to say what exactly is wrong with Barrios. But I can tell you that the results and, and, and some of the ways that he's getting there are, are somewhat, you know, I don't want to say alarming, but they're eyebrow raising at this point. Okay. So I, I think that, Charlie Montoyo had himself a decent weekend, and I think even the Charlie haters out there would admit as much. But are you worried about the Jordan Romano usage right now? Uh, yeah, first of all, Charlie Montoyo had an all-time weekend. I mean, that might be the best weekend I've seen from a manager in a while. Every pinch hitter was getting hits. Every pinch runner was scoring. The bullpen moves worked, winning one-run games. That rarely happens for managers. So more often than not, they're getting second guess. This time it worked out great for Charlie. Now, as for Romano, it's it's tricky because, you know, it was that third day in a row, something that we rarely see from from anyone. And by the end of that third outing, he was gassed. And so that's why they went to Stripling and that worked out to go to Ross Stripling in that situation. But clearly, you know, Romano just needs a couple days of rest and kind of go from there. I don't think that we're going to see him pitch three in a row for a long time. Like the next time it happens, it might be October. I'm chuckling not because Jordan Romano pitched three in a row or not because it was Ross Stripling that came out. I was just remembering Stripling's reaction 
once he finished off that game. No pressure, kid. One run game, uh, bases loaded, two out. Go ahead. Exactly. I mean, he's done it all. And then the next day he's in there as a bulk reliever. If anyone on this staff can adjust and figure something out on the fly, it's stripling. And of course it's a ground ball to the pitcher. I mean, that's one that, you know, it's not, that's not an easy play. So, you know, he ends up handling it and the Jays, I mean, there, there you go again, right? Like another decision that the Jays make and it works out and leads to a win. I love the reaction from Manoa there because I think it speaks to what Stripling was asked to do. And I don't know if the average fan understands, Ben. He didn't think he was going – like he thought he was just warming up. Of course, yeah. I mean, this is this is the the challenge of of being in that role. And there were a couple points where, you know, last night, after the Jays had used their bullpen so much, you start looking down at your scorecard – and seeing who's left in the bullpen. And there were not a lot of names. So I'm thinking, if this goes to extra innings, like, what did they do? And I'm sure that thought crossed Charlie Montoyo's mind as well. Right. Thankfully, it didn't get there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Uh, without a doubt. All right, so no rest for the weary. White Sox and Twinkies come to town. White Sox, pretty good team. Um, wh- are you hearing some rumors that we may see some shorthanded squads make their way to the Rogers Center this week? Well, the Twins, it sounds like they're going to be without a few players due to the travel restrictions that are in place. So, you know, that's that's a disadvantage for Minnesota as they arrive in Toronto. We'll see exactly who those players are on Friday. But, you know, that's basically this this entire season. We've been finding out periodically once or twice a week who these players are. And tomorrow around 3.30, we'll find out who's not coming from the White Sox. So they've got three good pitchers coming in. Um, Giolito and Kopech in particular, I mean, that's going to be a couple tough pitchers with really good stuff and a good test for this Jays offense. Add Tim Anderson on the aisle and you got yourself a trifecta. That's right. That's right. And they've got some guys underperforming too. Uh, Without a doubt. All right. So the Jays get their first sweep of the season. What's the one thing you're looking for to make sure that you feel, if you're a Jays fan, that the, 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 the wheel is still turning? that you're still in a good spot, that this might continue and might build momentum? Probably Barrios' next start or Teoscar's next uh, line drive, next at-bats. Like, those are the two guys that if they get them going, then watch out because they're already very good. But those two players, for their careers, have been excellent major league players. Neither one of them is clicking right now. So Barrios, Teoscar, if they get going, that will take this team's game forward even more. Awesome. Uh, great to have Ben and Ben in the booth and get Ben back in the booth. Got it good and since you understood. Mr. Nicholson-Smith, thanks for doing this. Of course. Thanks, Tim. Uh, there is Ben Nicholson-Smith. If you're doing baseball right, you're listening to the At The Letters podcast with me and Arden Zwelling. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look to brighten your day with little plays of the week. I know Mondays can be tough, but we will help out with the P.O. Dubs next right here on Tim and Friends. Okay, but I don't, I don't think that people are taking into account the weight of the baseball would take the weight, would cause it to fall quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you saying it like that? Wait, weight. Weight. Because I'm putting more emphasis right. on it. The weight will take it down. There's like a thing where if, cool it's, a, if whip. it's heavier, it pierces cool through the... Do you have whip? Do you like whip. cool whip? I like cool. I like Good. cool, cool oh. whip. I'm, like, I'm glad yeah. that you like... Who doesn't like cool whip? Yeah. Strawberries and cool whip. Yeah, all right, let's whip into the plays of the week. Love it. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? I'm about to prolong it. Ah, right, whatever. Right. I promise you these plays of the week will be appealing. 
<laughs> Who wrote that? That's good. <laughs> no bathroom breaks during the next four minutes, please. By oh, the way, is this friend in there? Other, other, is there a friend in there? That's got to be from the indie. Right? That would be, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because you're drinking beers and just, by the way, is this the life? Yes. Like that. That's right what we all strive for. Must be nice. Uh, easy lesson here, kids. We know that this proposal took place in game four. How did it end up? Well, happy wife, happy life. Easy lesson. Oilers won. Yeah, I got that one. All right. <laughs> to the Blues and the Avalanche. Uh, that, that was a Caliente proposal, yeah, wasn't it? Was, yeah, it was very, <laughs> This very, is Caliente right this here. This is definitely Caliente. Nathan McKinnon. Oh, goodness me. Never gets old. Never no. gets old. Uh, neither does this. Although, I guess it did. In I the said, end. My favorite thing was him trying to blame. <laughs> Look at me. Oh, it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are on your team. You don't have to worry about the bad goals all that much. No. And maybe the best hockey play of the week. Got to lose tooth? No problem. Slap shot. No, 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 no. You, no, your kids never did that, right? What? That would be. That would. That. I don't know about that. that that's parents a, sign off on that? That's a guy who's never had kids. How about this? Two beers, one catch. Yes. Yeah, well, yes. Better make that grab. Everybody. Eric Cosmer looking to go yard. Ben Gamel getting up. Oh, bringing whoa. it back. Careful. Now, is Careful that the now. catch of the week? Is that the catch of the week? I don't think it was going out, though. I think he, I think he jumped pretty far away from it. Seen this one before. Kevin Pillar, one and only game as a Dodger to this point. Kevin Pillar. So classic. Doing Kevin Pillar-like oh, things. Right off the turf. I didn't know. Oh. That could hurt the Is that the there. catch you of the week? Be careful there too. Is that the catch of the week? I don't know. How about Joey Votto, Canadian guy? Lose it, get it back. No, that can't be the catch of the week because he, he lost, lost it. it. All right. You like the logic there? Adam Engel. Is this the catch of the week? Oh, I see what we're doing here. Is this the catch of the week? Wilson Contreras deets. Yes, that's it. And pulled back. This, yeah. this is it? Yeah, that's it. Elevation? Well, unless, unless there's another one. How about Contreras giving him the yeah. old. Doffing of the cap. I like that. That was the last one. Oh, okay, so yeah, we'll give the last one. We'll give it to Adam yeah, Mango. Yeah. Mike Trout had an okay series. Needed some batting practice. So his one and a half year old son. Gotta, we got to work on daddy's swing. Not a lot of hits right there, okay, bud? Let's go. Get in that leg, start with that pitch. Go. Let's go, son. Are you okay with this one? He destroyed okay that thing. Yeah, daddy's job. He destroyed that with a fling of the wrist. I, that guy's superhuman. Are you okay with that Yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Uh, to the hard court, uh, Jalen Brown. And <laughs> Bam Adebayo with the business decision. And speaking yeah. of business decisions, mm. check out Frank Nelikina. Ooh. This is literally mm. the facial reaction yeah. of Matt. Fan control football league. Oh, Jason it. Stewart throws a TD pass. Celebrates oh, goodness me. with the backwoods Selly, and that's where he'll go. Right to the backwoods. Oh, he was cut immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse, how seriously do you take your fantasy football? Because for Tommy Fam, he takes it seriously. Yeah. Very, very seriously. Here are the receipts of Slapfest. I put somebody, a player, on the injured reserve when they were listed as out and um, added another player. There was a text message in the group saying that I was cheating uh, because I was stashing players on my bench. What he forgot to tell you guys too, you know, he said some disrespectful in a text message 
and I called him out on it. So it was regarding, you know, my former team. I did send a gif in the group chat that was making fun of the Padres. There was more than one Padre. There was maybe four or five that uh, I'm kind of close with a couple of them. And it was supposed to be a friendly thing, just making fun of they were playing bad. It's He shows the receipts, literally. Not playing well to make the playoffs with a uh, very talented team. Doesn't he look like the 15-year-old kid who's just bigger and stronger than everyone yeah. else, just smashing home runs? I have run. no idea what he's trying, but I'm on Jock's side. Like you can, if a dude's hurt, you can put him on the IR. I don't see what the problem is. You you really think that's all it was about? Well, I don't know. It seemed like Tommy Pham was upset about the the gif and not the the move, the roster move. Yeah, I mean, we might have to get to the bottom of it a little bit later in the show. The guy's standing there with a hat, weird hair, and a backpack what on. Why did he do You're on Team Why Jock did he do that to his hair? What was after, that? After the break, we head to Colorado and check in with G Prince Abs and Oilers go through prep for game number one tomorrow night in Denver, plus Justin Bourne in studio to discuss that and tonight's game seven in Carolina. We got a lot more coming up on Tim and Friends, and we'll get back to Jock in Last Call. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdog's back here. Hour number two. Tim and friends still to come. Mark Spears on the Celtics and Warriors matchup in the NBA Finals, which we now know gets started on Thursday. Plus some tennis talk. Layla making a run and mm. Felix making it interesting. Justin Bourne's in studio. Gene Principe in Colorado live momentarily. But we've got a game seven tonight. We won't say the best two words in sports because there's probably two better words in sports. And a lot of people say it's the best two words in sports. And I don't like th saying things that a lot of people say. Either way, Canes host the Rangers tonight with the Lightning awaiting the winner in the Eastern Conference. Finally, you can see tonight's game, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on Sportsnet. Home teams won every game in the series and all 13 games so far in the Canes playoff run. Anti Ranta back in the starters net after being pulled in game six. Rod Brindamore was asked, if he had a conversation with his keeper after the poll. I mean, what's there to say? I mean, we, we made a switch, you know. Uh, our goalie coach, Paul, handles all that stuff. And, you know, it's put it behind you and move forward. And that's that's all you need to do. We're ready to go. Got the confidence that we can we can win any game. And um, we know that. Just got to come out and play our game and stick to our strengths and, and do whatever we got to do to win. Well, it's game seven, you know. I mean, we know what, the, what's at stake. And, but you go play. You, you can't change your preparation. You can't change your game plan. You play the game and you play it hard. And hopefully, you, you know, you get the breaks and you win a hockey game. That was Rod the Bod's way of saying I didn't say jack to my goalie. It's over 24 hours away, Game 1, Western Conference Final. Oilers taking on the Avs. Oilers went 1-2 and two against Colorado, although two losses over time. Um, they beat the Avs handily in their final meeting in April. Lots of hype, and rightly so, around Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, something that got plenty of attention when the Avalanche met the media a short time ago. I think he's the best. I said it. Uh, yeah, I think he's been the best for a, a little bit now, and... Um, it's going to take a full team effort to 
stop him and same with Dreisaitl. McDavid's obviously very good off the rush and um, very fast and he's got the, the quick steps right at the beginning so for us it's just going to try and be staying in front of him and um, yeah there's not much else to it they're they're both such electric players and McDavid's been the driving force for them as well as their other their other top guys and um, he'll be a, he'll be a good test but we're all excited it's going to be exciting uh, they got uh, some world-class players there two of the best in the game and and so do we um, both teams have great depth uh, up and down the lineup uh, that have got, gotten contributions. I just think uh, for the league, if you're a fan of the game, you're going to enjoy this series. Oilers fans, I know what you're thinking. You think, where the hell is the Oilers stuff? Well, you, you've come to trust us, and we're not going to let you down. In fact, we're going live to Denver, and our good friend Gene Principe, fresh off his travel day to Colorado. Gino, what's going on in the Mile High yeah. City? Yeah, well, thanks, Tim. Uh, flew from Edmonton to Vancouver, Vancouver into Denver, and my arms are still killing me. Uh, yeah, it was quite uh, quite the travel. But you know what? To get to the Western Conference Final, uh, I would go through about anywhere in order to watch uh, Edmonton take on Colorado. Interesting to hear uh, all the conversation about Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. And I think most fans to start the season kind of felt like McKinnon and the Avalanche would be in the playoffs, and so would the Oilers. But then the Oilers went on a streak of winning only two out of 15 games. February 10th, uh, they decide to get rid of their coach, Dave Tippett, who was a heck of a nice guy and has had a lot of success in the NHL. And they get Jay Woodcroft, who'd been uh, around the NHL, but always as an assistant and or associate. Instead, he went, quote unquote, backwards to work in the American Hockey League and then forwards to work uh, with Edmonton. And boy, has it ever worked out. And he has uh, been a big reason, not necessarily right on the ice, but in the bench and in the meeting rooms and in the dressing room, why the Oilers find themselves a series win away from having a shot at winning the Stanley Cup probably I don't know if we'd be here if it wasn't for uh, the the impact that what he's had on our team certainly the a lot of our players have have have, uh, have played at a high level but you know the, our team has really responded to Woody he brought in uh, um, you know some little tweaks I think we've we've tightened it up and uh, has, has had a great communication uh, with with our with our team and uh, what he's had a big factor in us uh, sitting here today when a new coach comes in, we wanted to make sure that everybody had a clean slate. We were very clear in our communication of what our expectations were. And, uh, you know, I think you, it's not something that's built immediately. It's built brick by brick. We had a philosophy that success is built sequentially. And we just wanted to stack a good day on top of a good day on top of a good day. That it's two, two highly skilled teams going at it, and uh, I think it'll be... Fun, fun series to watch, and, and and obviously fun for us to be a part of, and um, yeah, just looking looking to get out on the good end. Yeah, they're a good team over there. Um, you know, they've proven that over the, the last couple of years, and uh, obviously this year was no different. Um, they got some real special players, and um, they're deep all around. Um, real good team. Well, Jay Woodcroft has turned into a bit of a, a star, I guess. There was a meme or gif. I'm still not sure what the difference is in the first round uh, against L.A. And then who has not <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the pose, right? He's got the pose. You know, he's, he's just kind of waiting for Daryl Sutter. Daryl, I'm waiting for you here. And I know people at home might kind of go, well, he looks a little brash. The guy's been up in the NHL as a head coach for three months. But it's just, it's just the way that... Jay is. He defends his players to, to the utmost, and he is so detailed, and they speak of, I remember Mike Smith saying, goes, you know, you go into a meeting, uh, and you discuss things, and you watch video, and you come out, and you go, yeah, he was right. And today, he, you know, he passed on another quote, and I got to have a quick look at it, because otherwise I'm going to forget it. 
Listen to this. It's like Shakespeare. The road to success is paved with mistakes well handled. And I'm like, I love that, right? I love that. Now, I don't know if he just uses those quotes on the media, but I think he passes them on to the players. And the players are ecstatic with what Jay Woodcroft has done and is hoping to continue to do starting tomorrow night in this arena against Colorado. I've got a lot of experience on the uh, on the mistakes. I'll, I'll try and work on the well handled, uh, Gene. <laughs> so, so, so this seems like, and listen, it's, it hasn't been this way for the last few years, but the stars are out for this series. Do you think it'll be played like that? Do you think that Jay Woodcroft and this Oilers team want to play at that same pace, even though maybe this is the team that could match them? I think, Tim, I would say yes to that. One thing I have found uh, earlier, particularly in round one, Calgary wasn't uh, as interested in much as much in the mat- matchup. Michael Backlund, Elias Lindholm were their two kind of top centers, Backlund being maybe a little more defensive-oriented, even though he had a great series. But in round one, uh, Philip Deneau and Andre Kopitar were the centermen. So the idea being at that point, Edmonton had split Dreisaitl and McDavid. Then in game six, they put them back together, and they've been together ever since. But it was kind of like, well, you're going to try and flip and flop. And Woodcroft's like, like why am I going to try and avoid uh, putting the best player in the world and maybe the second best player in the world on the ice by worrying about what's going on in the other bench? So right. I, I have a feeling, at least to start, that it'll be like full guns blasting. Like they'll just go and, and really, with Colorado being at home, it'll be up to them to see how much matching they want to do. Uh, this, you know, I, Calgary was a wonderful series. I, I know everyone had hoped it'd be a little bit longer, except for the Oilers, uh, just because it was so entertaining. I think this one's going to be just as entertaining and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit longer. I could see it be more six or seven right. than four or five. But let's get it done. Let's get it going. These two franchises have not had a lot of success recently yeah. in getting through to this point in the playoffs, so they're hungry to see who can win and who can go on to face either Carolina, the New York Rangers, or Tampa Bay. Gino, always appreciate you. Thanks for, uh, for flying down there. I hope the arms get some rest. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure, pal. There's Gene Principe in Denver, Colorado, covering the series as he will for us the entire way. Thanks again, Gino. Uh, I bring Justin Bourne into the conversation very quickly here. NHL on Sportsnet and uh, co-host of The Real Kipper and Bourne. And I want to bring you in quickly because I want to piggyback on the conversation that we were just having. One of the problems, and Ron McLean kind of rolls his eyes every time he comes on here because I talked to him about officiating. And the problem that I had with officiating was... Why were we left with some of the best players on planet Earth not playing when it mattered most? Mm -hmm. And I look at this series, and I look over at the other side, and listen, um, I could say Austin Matthews is a Hart Trophy nominee. He is that good, but he also faced a really talented team in Tampa. Tampa's still alive. Carolina's got a lot of talents. This is a copycat league. Could we get to the point, Justin Bourne, where a series like this could attempt to be copycatted by the rest of the league or do we just have stars on the ice and they've been able to do this? Well, I think the stars are a huge part of it. Offense right now, there's, I think we're in like the middle of uh, this sort of wave of offensive improvement uh, in the NHL that we hadn't seen in years. And we had been waiting for this. I think Kyle Dubas thought it was going to come a little sooner. <laughs> the Leafs got out ahead of that. And yeah. then the hockey didn't really come their way. And the Stanley Cup champions were teams like St. Louis and, you know, more yep. physical teams. So now, though, there's just so many goals. So this, this year's playoffs has, has the most goals per game. I think going back to 2010 and then before that, I don't know. Do you have stats on that? 
I, I got a few here. I was just pulling up here. This this is the uh, first conference finals matchup since 1989, featuring teams with four goals or more Sheesh. per game since right. 1989. So and, and the Oilers have scored 52 in the postseason, most through any team through 12 since the 94 Rangers. Yeah. So, like, if you looked at how the NHL was for years from, I don't know, the, the lowest scoring years, whatever they were. Yeah, being, early 2000s. Sure. Yeah. Being physical and tough was everything. Every game was 3-2, 2-1. You had to plow through. You had to get to the net. People were water skiing behind you. <laughs> yes. Like, that's not the case now. No. And so now if you try to build a team that is all grit and grinders and you don't have those high-end guys, you're just going to get left in the dust. So, yes, I think this is more of the trend of the NHL in years to come is that like, who's a good goalie in the league? We don't even know anymore. It's like Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, and I don't know because there's just so many goals right now. <laughs> right. How much of this will depend on how those two goalies do in the Avs and in the Oilers? I think that's everything. You know, I think there's two different looks for these goaltenders coming. For Mike Smith and the Edmonton Net, it's just going to be an avalanche. I hate to say that. But it is going to be just an onslaught of yeah. shots and, you know, it's all boomy or something. <laughs> but that is going to be what it is. Number one bull and then, <laughs> That's better. Yeah. Right, but going there. the other way for yeah. Kemper. Yeah. Going the other way for Kemper, it's going to be just off-chance rushes. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of puck in Edmonton's end and pushing, pushing, pushing. And all of a sudden, Kemper's going to see a couple of really fast guys screaming down at him 100 miles an hour. Who, who knew the road to the Western Conference Final was paved? in Arizona right wow. <laughs> like both these goalies <laughs> yeah. come through Arizona and they find themselves on teams that uh, frankly have expectations here and listen I'm gonna be unfair to Darcy Kemper I was I was unfair at the start of the postseason I said I, he's not I, listening I don't believe him until he does it yeah right and and same with Mike Smith yeah. like I knew he had a good year last year I was one of the ones saying you needed a goalie at trade deadline, he yep. has proven me wrong thus has far. He? Yeah, he has. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you know, no disrespect, because I'm a guy who thinks that Mike Smith is he a uh, high ceiling guy. Like when right. he's on, he's as good as it gets. Right. And he can give you a run where he just wins a series for you. What happened against Calgary? I don't know. Well, you know, they uh, it was a weird series. There's a ton of goals. I don't know what stats were in that series, but not great. I don't think. Nine oh seven save percentage. Yeah, that's right. Correct. So that's that is not great. Below yeah. league average. Yeah. So, you know, he he's been. Fine for them, but I still think he's the right guy to be in their crease because he could go weird against Colorado. He right. could just have one of those 10-day spans that Mike Smith and a few other people can have. And I, I love that for the Oilers who are an underdog, you know, that their goalie can get red hot. I wrote down in the middle of those clips earlier, can McCarr skate with McDavid? Yeah, I think so. You think so? Do you? I, I, I'm, I, the, one of the things that I am fascinated to watch in this mm -hmm. series is whether or not they match up Makar with McDavid yeah. and see if that works and if that would tire him out on the offensive end or make him right. less of a offensive weapon. But if there's anyone in the league that I'd like to see matched up against McDavid yeah. stride for stride and turn for turn, because that's part of it. It's not just flat-out speed. Right. It's Cam McCarr. Well, and I think you make a really good point there. Because when I think of McDavid's speed, I think of that way. Like, I think if he can cut, yeah. he can cut really quick out of his speed. Like that play right there is he's nasty. At that McCarr's shiftiness and skating is so effective laterally on the blue line, east to west, and right. he's juking guys and he's smooth. I don't know. Like I just as much as I think McCarr could skate with McDavid in a million different ways. If you put anyone skating backwards against Connor McDavid, like it's just. I don't know. Like it's not a fair <laughs> yeah, fight. Not. So you still got to back off. And 
right. I wonder if you're not better off with McCarr just saying, you just think about doing the offensive thing. We're going to try to find, you know, they've got some other good skating guys. Devin Taves is going to worry about him or whatever. Right. Someone else can, can make that their mission. Right. Um, in the brilliance of McDavid, have we lost sight of how legendary Leon Dreisaitl's postseason? Yes, I yeah. love that you asked that. Okay. Because I've been thinking about this. Okay. I, I saw someone tweet today. I think it was actually Mike Kelly of the NHL Network, who's excellent, does a lot yeah. of really good analysis stuff, and he tweeted. Looks at numbers. Uh, yeah, he into the number stuff, and he tweeted that uh, Dreisaitl's the best passer in the NHL. And there is a lot of stats that back up, you know, the pass slot passes and chances yep. created. He is one of, if not the best passers in the league. When I think of Dreisaitl, I think of that shot. And a goal scorer, right? One-timer. Had 55 this year, or however many he had. Yeah, the one-timer from the goal line with that big paddle, just shooting with a <laughs> shovel. Like, he hits everything. It so, looks like he's hitting a wedge, honestly. It, really? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a tennis racket. I don't know what's happening, but it works. So, got a guy who's maybe the best passer in the league and maybe the, one of the best shooters. He's in the conversation. So, okay, that's pretty good. He's also 6'3 and protects the puck. And, you know, not always as engaged and not always the best defensive player, but I think... You know, much like Malkin, peak Malkin might have been better than peak Crosby. I don't know if that's an insane thing to say, but I loved peak Malkin. Um, I think that I like peak Drysidle. I like that statement. <laughs> it's bold, and I've never thought yeah, about it, yeah. so I really don't want to get taken a task. <laughs> I, know, I, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. But like that, like Drysidle has that ceiling where you're like, man, when he's good, uh, he might be more effective at creating offense than McDavid, and that sounds insane, but. Well, how about this? I love them, that's all. Let me, let me back you up with some stats. So okay. the 17 points in five games in that series yeah. against Calgary, it was the third most points in a single series in NHL history. The only ones better were Rick Middleton, who had 19 points in a seven-game series. Are you going to say Barry Peterson? This guy comes up in all these. No, but I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Gretzky, 18 and 6. Okay. And then you've got Leon Dreisaitl doing it in five games. Man. And Mario Lemieux doing it in six so the, like the best part is his 15 assists are probably like you know 10th on the list or something just the assists <laughs> yeah just, just the assists yeah. yeah yeah without a doubt he I mean listen there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle for Edmonton and that's why they're this whenever you get this far there's a lot of pieces yeah. to the puzzle but outside of the three guys that we've already talked about and that is Drysaddle McDavid and Mike Smith who do you think, and I don't mind if you give me a couple of answers here, I don't want to do that, give me one guy yeah. thing. <laughs> Who do you think has been the most surprising, the most, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of, I, I didn't think I was going to get this, but since we've got this, yeah. this is a different team. Well, I, I, the, the reason I'm not going to pick Zach Hyman, who I still want to mention, is because I do expect that of him. Here in Toronto, we saw him enough to know that he's just a horse right. and, and what he can do. But Evander Kane, being as good as he's been in that spot, is surprising not because he hasn't had a great career and he can't score but just the ability to take advantage of the opportunities that came with his spot you know playing by uh mcdavid that that's everything for them is you know they talked about depth scores for years and having someone who can produce outside of these top guys you know this is it this is kind of what they were looking for and and right now they've got him on the second line and off mcdavid's line but it's nice for them that they have options and they hadn't had options in years Okay, so you're walking on the broadcast, working on the broadcast tonight for Canes and Rangers, game number seven. Give me a stat outside, or give me an idea outside of the home and away splits that are yeah. ridiculous. The, the home team wins everything, and if you're the Canes, wild. it has won everything and lost everything the entire two rounds. Give me something outside of that that we should keep an eye on. 
Uh, Mika Zabinajad. Mika Zabinajad has had, uh, they've played four elimination games, the Rangers, in this postseason. He has eight points in those four games. So in game six and seven, Pittsburgh Penguins have the Rangers down and out and can beat him. He goes up against Sidney Crosby, and he hangs seven points on Crosby on the other side of the ice. Like that, to me, is a major showing. You know, their backs are against the wall in game six against Carolina. Zabinajad scores again. Like, Panarin can be better. Kreider can be a lot better. He's got one shot in four of six games in the series. But if the Rangers are going to score enough goals to win and they haven't scored in Carolina, they're going to need it from him. I was just looking it up. Mika Zabinijad and a second-round pick for Derek Broussard. Oh, I, you know what? I hadn't seen that trade until earlier today and I, in a long time, and I was just like, wait, like who am I missing going there? I know. Oh. Poor Sens fans. Watching Nick Paul just tear it up right now in Tampa. Just give you a hug. Uh, Thank you for doing this as always. You always pop in when we need you the most, and we appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, There is Justin Bourne. You can see him tonight. Rangers and Canes, game number seven on Sportsnet. All right, coming up, Layla Fernandez is into the French Open quarters and perhaps a favorable path to the final. While Felix pushed Rafa all the way, we're talking tennis next on Tim and Friends and maybe even a cut or uncut surrounding the game of tennis next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, Jesse Rubinoff. We're talking tennis here because it was a pretty interesting weekend, especially when it comes to the Canadians on the clay of Roland Garros. Yeah, it was an up and down day on Sunday for the Canadians at the French Open. Felix Auger, Ali Asim gave Rafael Nadal all he could handle, but ultimately lost in five sets after more than four hours on court. Can you imagine? No, I, I, me personally, My no, I goodness. couldn't, but they are world-class athletes. Yeah, so that, that is true. Uh, <laughs> Nadal facing Novak Djokovic oh, in the crazy. quarters. Uh, meanwhile, on the women's side, Leila Fernandez is into the quarterfinals after a three-set win over American Amanda Anisimova on Sunday. Last week on the show, John Wertheim said he thought Leila had a shot to win it all. How do you like her chances? I, I, I love that Wertheim came on here and, and alerted us. Yeah. To what was going on with Layla and and with Felix Auger Eliassime, to be honest with you, he looked at his side of the draw and said, eh, I don't like it all that much. And then looked at Layla's side of the draw and said, There might be an opening here. Mm-hmm. And Layla up next will get Martina Trevisan, who is uh, number 59 in the world. And then she would get the winner of Coco Goff and Sloane Stevens. And you could argue that she would be favored in both of those matchups. Wild. So that would get her through right to the finals. And then, I mean, listen, number one in the world is number one in the world for a reason and on a bit of a tear right now. So it would, but if, if she got, if Layla Annie Fernandez got to the finals, that is a very successful French Open for her and maybe continues the path that we have seen other Canadian women walk down but unable to kind of Get, to, get over the hump. Get over the hump. And listen, Bianca's injuries, and I understand that, but we've seen this tease before, and on the men's side as well, and it would be interesting to see if it was Layla, who's kind of the last to arrive, who gets there and, and, and wins that major. But it looks as though a final is a real possibility. Now, when she gets there, it's going to be tough, but it looks like a final is a real possibility. You don't often say that, especially about Canadian tennis players. It, it, it seems like... Um this sort of solidifies that the U.S. Open run wasn't a fluke. Like, she really yeah, I think we've has seen flash. I think we've seen flashes, and I yeah. think we've seen... But listen, 
I understand the average sports fan in Canada saying, well, we've seen this before. We've seen that one and done before. We've seen a couple of big tournaments and then fall off the face of the earth. And there have been a bunch of reasons for a bunch of different people, but this young woman is a fighter. This one young woman has a little bit of a killer instinct in her, and I love the fact that she's got an open draw, and then you got a chance, right? Yes, she has a chance most definitely. Um, so Felix takes Rafa to five sets. Yes. Uh, he's just the third man to do that, I believe, <laughs> Rolling at Garros. Roland Garros, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. So he didn't win, obviously, and we've sort of been waiting for Felix and Danish Abovalov to get that, that huge marquee victory, right? But you got to give credit where credit's due, just taking him that far at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Rafa at Roland Garros. So Going for 14? It, it felt like there was an opportunity there, and you'd love to see him take that opportunity, but this is part of the growth that you eventually need and the respect that he got from Rafa. And listen, this might be... heard Rafa talking today about this maybe being his last French Open Sad. and to do that against him there could be something where you draw confidence even from losing but there was an opportunity there this will be special having Nadal face Djokovic will be special especially given the Grand Slam numbers and that this might be Nadal's last chance to mm -hmm. add another one on and you and I talked about this at the Aussie Open and whether or not Rafa could change the conversation of best of all time yeah. and it felt like Novak was taking it over and right now listen <laughs> those two we, we know who the favorite will be in Paris this weekend and that'll be fun <laughs> no but back kidding. back to the Canadians and cut or uncut Tony Nadal mm -hmm. saying what he said to someone who pays him money to be his coach and for those who missed it over the weekend Tony Nadal said basically Felix is Felix my nephew is my nephew I want him to win for us, this tournament will always be special. Felix Auger-Aliassime pays him money to be his coach. Family ties always override someone who pays you? Uncut for me. Family. Vin Diesel. Family. You're, That's it. You're quoting family? Yeah, Fast, fast and Furious. There were family. Other, there were other pros who were shocked. A lot of, a lot of people were upset about this. That he would shoot. Okay, how about this? If you're not going to give, if you're not going to sit in the coach's box of the guy who's paying you because it is your nephew that he's playing, and maybe, may, and I don't know enough about this, and I'm sure we'll find out over the next little while, mm -hmm. maybe before they ever made the professional agreement, he said, listen, I'm your coach for everything except for when you play Rafa. Yeah. And, and, and that's completely uncut. But to sit in the front row of the presidential box mm -hmm. instead of the coach's box while your guy went toe-to-toe -to -toe in what could have been the biggest match of his career, like, there is some cut there, no? Yeah, a little bit. And then just, like, don't talk to the media. I think that's where it might have crossed a bit of a line. Like, to actually admit that you wanted your nephew to win is maybe a bridge too far. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. Let me just step back yeah. and watch like the rest. Yeah, it was a mistake <laughs> to admit it. Again, hey, family. We all have egos. Family. This wasn't family. This was <laughs> ego and family. It's tennis. All right, time for break. <laughs> when we come back, NBA Finals are set with the Celtics getting the job done just in time.
Game seven sets up the glamour matchup with the Warriors. It is Celtics, it is Dubs. We'll break it down with one of our favorites. Used to work in Boston, Mark Spears joins us next on Tim and Friends. Smart, fakes, fires, Butler. He can tie for the lead. Butler had a clean look, Jeff, and he went for the kill shot and the lead. I gotta say, I think that's a bad decision by Butler. You have Al Horford in front of you. You have so much space there you can attack. And the Boston Celtics will go to the NBA Finals. It ended up being one of the stories of the series along with Jimmy Butler's absolute brilliance was his decision making. We bring in Mark Spears, ESPN, and a good old friend. What's going on, Spearsy? How are you, man? Man, out here in the Bay Area getting ready for these finals, man. Awesome. I want to get into the finals in a flash, but let's just, let's just, before you know where you're going, you got to know where you come from, Mark. And in that game seven, there was a much talked about Jimmy Butler three. We just saw it. We just heard Jeff Van Gundy's opinion on it. What did you think of Jimmy Butler pulling up for the win with about 17 seconds left down two? Uh, you know, it's it's easy for us to watch this in slow motion and, and make a determination, right, to be a Monday morning quarterback. I, I do agree with Coach. I, I think when you're at home, you go for the tie. You got the crowd behind you. Um, just get it to overtime and try to figure it out from there. Now, on, on a side note, the Heat have been falling apart. P.J. Tucker's not playing. Hero's not playing. Maybe Jimmy's like, man, Let's just let's just go for the home run. Um, so I, I certainly think tying the game is a better decision. But in a lot of ways, that's what they teach um, in basketball, right? Go for the kill shot. Shoot three. If you got a good look, shoot the three. And and that's not really the the strength of Jimmy's game is is his mid range game, not not his three point game, but. You know, if he makes it, it's one of the greatest shots in playoff history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it is it Sam Cassell running finals. down the sidelines. Like, that's, that's oh, it's what it is. Oh, it's bigger than that. Yeah. Like, he's back in the finals, right? But right. now it's um, he's going to have a lot of time to think about whether he should have been more aggressive taking it to the hole. But there's no guarantee he would have made a shot there either. Did, did injuries play too much of a role for us to overanalyze what happened in the Celtics in the Heat? No, I, I really feel bad for Miami in terms of, like, obviously Tyler Hero wasn't really ready, right? Yeah. P.J. Tucker's hurt. Um, but Boston had their, their injuries as well. Robert Williams, I don't know what he's going to be in the finals. He only played, like, 14 minutes. Marcus Smart, you know, uh, certainly had his, has his injuries as well. And one thing I think, too, is going into the finals. The Celtics, they they don't have anybody with playoff, ex- I mean, finals experience where what the, the Warriors got like 123 games or something yeah, well, like 123 that. to nothing is the yeah. finals experience for the Warriors. And, and then the there's there was also, I went to Warriors practice today. There was this like country club feel to their practice. It was just like relaxation. They took Friday off. They took Saturday off. They went light on Sunday 
Right. And then they had a, a scrimmage today. So this was a kind of the first day they got back into it. And now they're talking about, uh, you know, Gary Payton the second and, and Porter and possibly Iguodala being back. Like they got, they're rested, they're at full strength. And history tells you it's not good for teams that have been to back-to-back seven-game series, which is such as the case for Boston. There have been seven teams now, including Boston, that have done that. But only one team, the 88 Lakers, actually were able to win a series after going to two straight game seven. So I just, you know, you guys know this from the Raptors, man, like survival of the fittest. Yeah. You know, and, and it ain't nobody's fault, you know, whoever the if you're a healthy team, that, that certainly plays a big role in what you could do if you're healthy and 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 not fatigued. And that's my worry for the Celtics in this series. Uh they they come in battered, they come in fatigued, they just flew to Miami, now they flew back to Boston, and now you gotta fly across the country tomorrow to being home for a day and playing every other day, and then be ready for the bright lights of a game seven on 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 game one. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if game one could end up being a blowout in the uh, Warriors' favor. But but you and I both know when we were just looking at that schedule. There is some time. Like we're old school yeah. enough to remember when you would go every second day, and that's what it was. The 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 marathon was part of the chip. Like you had to yeah. fight through it. And it, we got. Basically, a couple days off between every game, save for one. Do, does yeah. that maybe even things up a little bit for the Celtics? Yeah, I, I think Celtics will probably be much better in, in game two. I'm, I'm acting like I'm Nostradamus here, like predicting. <laughs> Don't <laughs> worry, it's not uh, like I'm on any like apps, whatever. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think come after game one, the, they'll have a chance to catch their breath, relax for a minute have two days off between games and just, you know, another thing that the Warriors are accustomed to is dealing with family and friends during the finals. You know, I overheard one of the Warriors players say today, yeah, man, so-and-so called me for tickets, man. I ain't heard from them all season. (laughs) Now all of a sudden (laughs) they want tickets. And, but the Warriors have experience in, in managing the off the court distractions like Steph talked in d- detail today about how his family knows this is a time of year where daddy has to be ready for something big. So I wonder how Deuce and the rest of the Boston Celtics family are, are going to, uh, right. you know, deal with this new new thing of, of the finals, which the Celtics haven't been to in 12 years. Uh, I heard that you can't get away from us Canadians at Warriors practice. Yeah, man, I saw uh, Wiggins is smiling a lot today. Um, and, and it's interesting, um, Draymond Green said that after the uh, they made the finals, he watched guys like Wiggins, first-timers, and saw their joy. This is his sixth time. He yeah. certainly has joy, but it, seeing guys like Wiggins being excited certainly brought him back to the, his first time there. Now, I was in the room for that dunk, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most disgusting dunks I've seen <laughs> in my lifetime. And the only thing that that peeved me was that ref called a foul. You do not call fouls on dunked on. I, I just did not understand it. And it kind of like it didn't kill the moment, but it, it kind of lessened the moment. It made it Diet Coke instead of like, remember the Coke with a lot of sugar? 
<laughs> that came out for a second. The, the original, oh, the new Coke. I got new you. Coke had a lot of sugar, baby. I, I got and you. And that 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 was, I, I think that was a bigger dunk than the Baron Davis dunk on Andre Andre Karolinko uh-huh. because of the star. Not that Karolinko wasn't a star, but this is Luca, and and certainly the moment. It, it was a huge punctuation on a higher level than where the Warriors were. Um, I will, when, I will when, say uh, this. That Oracle, when he threw that down on AK-47, uh, just exploded because of where yeah. they were. And that, that feels like the start of this run because people forget, like, Golden State, like, as much as people talk about dream teams and super teams, like, Golden State was the fire hydrant at the dog show that was the NBA for a long oh, time. You, you're being kind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, I was a kid growing up in the Bay Area, uh, watching the Warriors at the end of the season in the 80s and the 90s, you'd be like, man, they're only two games out of the eight spot with two weeks to go. They got a shot to make the playoffs. Like, fans would be excited about that. <laughs> yeah. And to think, like, wow, these dudes are going to their sixth finals since 2015 after being that doormat that you speak of. Yeah. That litter box that you like. <laughs> Is incredible. They were the laughing stock. It was like it was like a battle between them and the Clippers, who was more embarrassing. But Donald Sterling did a great job of making the Clippers more embarrassing than even the Warriors <laughs> back then. Uh, <laughs> but and now um, they they are the dynasty. They have been able to uh, kind of be Spurs-ish in a sense, where it, it it feels like you know when David Robinson passed the torch to. Tim Duncan, who passed it to, you know, um, Ginobili and Parker and then the Kawhi. But in an odd way during this whole span, it's the same group of guys. And I don't think this is the end because their young guys are that talented. We've only got a a minute left here, but I I got a quote and I had to get my phone out to get the quote because it it spoke to culture for me. And what you're talking about there is the culture of the Spurs and how it was passed down. And Andrew Wiggins said, um, I'm motivated. And when you see it work or I feel like it's helping us play better, it just motivates me to do more. And I feel like the when you see it work, maybe the key to the Pandora's box that is greatness in any league. Like, yeah, seeing it work for Andrew Wiggins has obviously made him a different player. And uh, the thing is, he is, in, I think he would probably tell you this is the perfect spot for him because the guy next to him, Steph Curry, yeah. I think he enjoys it. He takes the spotlight. Yeah. And Draymond takes the spotlight. And Clay takes the spotlight. It, it's just like there's... The biggest pressure he faced as a warrior is whether or not he was going to get his, uh, you know, his vaccine. Right. That's probably when it was his toughest. But there's so much adulation for those three stars, and even Jordan Poole to a certain extent. Yeah. And he's not he's not really facing a lot of pressure. But I, I, I do think there was a sense that maybe he'll have to be moved in the offseason to accommodate Jordan Poole's potential contract. But this team is also worth $5 billion now, so they could go over the luxury tax. And by the way, usually I would say that how somebody plays in the postseason shouldn't determine your offseason, you know, uh, interest. Yeah. 
But based on the way Wiggins is playing, I yeah. think now the, the the IQ of the basketball in the Bay Area is really strong. They know his value. Yeah. They know how important he is and how young he is, too, still. Uh, speaking of Canadians, Mark Spears had a uh, nice little look at uh, Dwight Powell of the Dallas Mavericks. You can see that on Twitter. Uh, at North Anscape. York's. Yes, North York. Uh, North York's Dwight Powell. Uh, it's a great look at ESPN. You can follow him at Mark J. Spears, Mark with a C, and at Anscape, you'll find it all. Mr. Spears, always great catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. Peace, brother. Good to see you. I hope we got it all in. Yes, sir. <laughs> I did. All right, there is Mark Spears in the Bay Area. We will check in with him throughout the NBA playoffs because they're still going to go on for about a month or so with all those off days. Time for one last break. We'll get to our Monday tip of the cap. Last call, Rubinoff, soccer madness, fantasy football fights. It continues. It is our Monday tip of the cap, and it goes to a pair of players who announced their retirements over the weekend. That's right, Russell Martin announced on Instagram that he was calling it a career after 14 seasons with the Dodgers, Yankees, Pirates, and Blue Jays. And I love the creativity because now he's going golfing. And at least Jason Spezza announced that he will hang up his number 19 after 19 seasons in the show, and he immediately accepted a job in the Leafs front office, special assistant to the GM. Spezza recorded Almost 1,000 points in more than 1,200 games with the Sens, Stars, and finishing up with the Leafs. He was already golfing. Oh, look at this guy over here, Rubinoff. Um, yeah, what can I say? I thought, I, I thought you were talking about the hockey players, but whatever. Yeah. I, thought, yeah. I have a, uh, an update on um, Russell the White Martin Sox. is going to be a great analyst. Whoever gets, like Russell Martin, you have an open invitation on this show whenever the hell you want. He's got like a little bit of Fred Van Vliet in him? No, he's got a little bit of Kevin Bieksa in him. Charisma. And ability to tell the truth without being disrespectful and not uh, feel like he's lying just to big himself up. Open invite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Russell Martin would be great. I'd clap for him when he comes in here, that's for yeah. sure. Without a doubt. Uh, my update. just made a joke about golfing with him. So maybe he'll punch no, it was you about Spezza. Maybe he'll Tommy fan No, it was about Spezza. The joke is about Spezza. But congratulations on a great career for both of them. Uh, the White Sox uh, placed a couple pitchers on the restricted list uh, ahead of the Toronto series in accordance with the COVID vaccine requirements for the trip. Uh -huh. uh, Dallas Keuchel also placed on release waivers. So there you have it. That is the situation. So it looks like both the Twins and the White Sox will be shorthanded, although these two guys weren't scheduled to pitch. But... There's a couple pieces missing from the pie, and newer pieces have to come in to fill out. That, that. is right. Said said pie. Said pie. Yeah. Said pie. I should have gone with puzzle. Why? What's the difference? Pie. Uh, it is a Mick matchup for the ages. Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon in the Western Conference Final as the Oilers take on the Abs. You didn't giggle or anything there, right? Eh? Uh, much has been made of the meeting between the two young superstars, but McKinnon says he's not thinking about the individual matchup, except for one reason. For me, um, I'm not really thinking about that a whole lot. Uh, obviously, I see that stuff, but, um, you know, that's to hopefully that gets more viewers and lowers escrow, but other than that, I don't care. <laughs> he's so honest all the time. I love it. Um, obviously, people in Canada are excited about this matchup, but do you think the star power with the Mick matchup is enough to move the needle south of the border? 
I, I, no, but if people give it a shot, this is the shot that the end, listen, we've seen how physicality brings in a certain audience and obviously over the last little while, it's been the same ish over and over and over again. And to me, honestly, if the Americans can't appreciate it yet, either the NHL is failing or they're just not gonna love the game. Mm -hmm. And this, if they get the chance to watch, and it is available on ESPN and TNT, which are two bigger networks than the NBC Sports Network, yep. then there is the ability to fall in love. Uh, this will give them a better shot because you'll get both. You'll get the physicality and you will get the world-class talent, which was always my beef, was that some of the best players in the world, McKinnon included, McDavid, Matthews, they were all sitting at home after the first or second round. And that did the NHL no good. And to have this set up, I think it puts them in a better position to succeed. But as a, as a game in a league, I don't think you should chase it in the States. I think you should do a better job of offering up what the beauty of the game is and let people decide on their own. But don't try and force feed them in. I haven't looked at the ratings of the Battle of Alberta down south, but do you agree that there was a, a weird feeling on Twitter that down south people were really sort of buying into how entertaining that series was? I'd be interested. I don't know to see how I don't know how to quantify were. that. It's hard, but there was definitely a buzz that you don't normally see for obviously an all Canadian matchup, but let alone. Yeah, and it was more about the astonishing offensive play in yeah. that series that got people talking. Wild. Uh, speaking of wild, a wild gold medal game at the World Hockey Championships with the host Finns beating Canada 4-3 in overtime on Sunday. Canada trailed 3-1 late but scored twice with their net empty to send it to the extra frame. Finland's Sakari Mananen scored the winner on the power play after a hooking call on Thomas Shabbat that the Canadians were not happy about. Did Canada get screwed, Timmy? Yeah, in a bunch of different ways. Uh, that wasn't the only questionable call. There was also a high-sticking call when a guy lifted his stick and the Finn's own stick hit him in the face. Like, <laughs> this is a ridiculous call. And you would think there would be some way to review something like this. Lift the stick, own stick, <laughs> hits him in the face. You get the penalty for high-sticking. That's a questionable call. The call at the end, listen, you could call that hook if you want on Shabbat. There's also a ridiculous embellishment and a trip right after. <laughs> like, you should be tricking the refs like this. Like, this needs to be, there needs to be an end to this. This is... No, you just call the embellishment. You, everyone, this isn't tricking the refs. No, but he, but he got tricked because he didn't call the embellishment. No, he just didn't have the guts in Finland to call the embellishment mm -hmm. in overtime. That's exactly what happened. The game was in Finland, and the referee didn't have the guts to make the call in Finland that needed to be made. I like it. That is a take. All right, you want to get back to uh, Fantasy Football Gate? Because we talked about it earlier. Cincinnati Reds outfielder Tommy Pham has been suspended three games for slapping the Giants' Jock Peterson during pregame warm-ups on Friday. Peterson later explained that it all started with a dispute over rules in a fantasy football league, while Pham said that Peterson said some disrespectful bleep about the Padres and bleeped with my money. Yeah, don't bleep with anyone's money. No, can't do that. So are you team uh, funny hair guy or team fam? Doesn't he, I saw this on Twitter and I wish I could give credit. Does he not look like the 15 year old kid who's bigger than everybody else yeah, and just hits moonshots? Yeah. Like that's what, he, that's what he looks like, does he not? Yeah. Uh, and just can't because of that, that, I am, look, look at him. 
Yeah. Look at him. He looks, he looks like the kid that just grew up a little bit faster than everyone that's else. Not that's not a great screenshot. That's just not That's a... Big Al D'Elia right yeah. there. Is that what it looks like? <laughs> Maybe a little older yeah. Big Al D'Elia. Yeah. yeah. It's bombs. Yeah. He just said, I'm Big Al. And, and niggers. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he looks so like. So you're a team fan and, because and, of Josh. And just look. because of that. I'm on Team Charles Oakley because I think, for those old enough to remember it, you don't mess with anyone's money or you get slapped. And Tommy Pham went old school, and every once in a while, kids, I don't care where you grew up or what they say on Twitter or cancel culture or whatever the hell is the latest buzzword out there, sometimes when you mess with people, you get the horns. Mm. Jock got the horns. You also got to kick Tommy Pham out of the league now, I would think. Can't oh. turn to violence. He's gone. You're so See you Plenty of afternoon baseball on uh, Memorial Day. Maybe they Day kick John the Peterson out. No. Fam, violence is never the answer. Uh, oh, look at this swing. Ooh. Jesus Sanchez. You with are a the massive generation. What? Because, because Tommy, you can't no just go around slapping people. There, there's no accountability ever. I don't want accountability. I don't want to actually have to pay for what I actually said. Leave me alone. Well, if he bleeped with his money, that's one thing. But getting mad at that gif? Come on. Come on. There's gifts of, you, there's you offensive think, gifts all the time. That wasn't you, even that mean. Do you think it was the... After you that heard... That was 496 feet, by the way, that home run. Yeah, almost 500 feet. Yeah, yeah. course field, though. All right. Yeah. What, what do you want to ask me about that? Nothing. I, I want to get Do you think it was really it. about the gif or the money? Well, the money isn't the money because Jock... Won the pool. Won the pool, put someone on IR, and fam thinks that he yeah. cheated, so that's how he bleeped his money. Yeah. But if you're actually following the rules of fantasy football, and you, you have an IR, how, and, how and you have you, an IR spot, how would you know Cause, that? Because he didn't, because he didn't dispute it, fam. He said, he said, how many IR spots do they have? I don't know, but you can't physically put I know someone I've on hit an IR a soft spot, spot. If, the, if there aren't spots available. I know I've hit a soft spot when we talk about fantasy sports and Jesse Rubinoff. Why? I don't know. Okay, I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, that is so maybe I should such just a move low on, blow. Back away. That's such just, a low blow. Just, oh my goodness. No, no, I get it. Oh, no. I'll, I'll step away. Yeah. That whatever. does it for us. A reminder: Game Seven between Rangers. And, now I know why your team jock. Rangers and Canes comes your way eight Eastern on That's Sports. So it good. just clicked in. Very Monday good. Night Raw, Sportsnet 360. We've also got baseball on Sportsnet One and Sportsnet Now. That's an inside. Have joke. a great night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. That's an inside uh, joke. Yeah, it's an are, inside. Are we gonna have to real. explain that tomorrow? It's real. No. no, no. <laughs>